This is the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast, bringing you conversations about holistic health and wellness with local voices, so you can get to know the incredible experts we have access to right here in the Twin Cities. This episode is sponsored by Mastel's Health Foods, which is a health food shop in St. Paul that specializes in clean supplements, natural personal care products, and organic groceries. If you haven't been to Mastel's yet, it is such a little gem full of hard-to-find supplements and products. Their employees are so helpful, and they provide expert service with access to a database that can help advise on supplement interactions and answer any specific questions you have. They can also special order any hard-to-find products, so if you haven't been over there yet, you should definitely check it out. They are on St. Clair Avenue in St. Paul. Mention that you heard about them from our podcast, and you'll receive 10% off any regular-priced items in your order. You can also find out more at mastels.com. That's M-A-S-T-E-L-S.com. Welcome back to the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast. I'm your host, Lily Zaborowski, and in this episode, I sat down with Dr. Ayana Kumina, a naturopathic doctor whose focus is on empathy, education, and empowerment. She has a great story of why she got into this work, so we begin our conversation there, and then we talk about her approach with her patients and how she helps support them with customized treatment plans that fit each individual. She's also one of only two black naturopathic doctors in the state of Minnesota. And we talk about why that's a problem and why representation is so important, especially in the wellness space when it comes to creating safe spaces for people and putting patients at ease. This is an awesome interview and I'm so honored that Dr. Kumina sat down with me to talk about these things. So let's get right into the interview. Well, I am here with Dr. Quamina, and you are a naturopathic doctor who is practicing out of the Twin Cities, but has kind of been around the country too. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yay. So Let's start with your story of how you got into naturopathic medicine, and then we'll also talk about what naturopathic medicine is. But you just, you have such a great story of what drew you into this work in the first place, and it goes back to really when you were younger, growing up in Oakland. So will you share that story with us to kick us off? Yes, yes. I like to call it my origin story. So... The earliest I can remember was being like six years old and playing in the backyard. And I'm from the Bay Area, like you said, of Oakland, and a kind of a nature girl already. We were raised vegetarian. I remember my dad having a dashiki on, an afro, and back in the late 70s, that really wasn't the norm to be vegetarian. So I was already kind of on the outskirts as far as our lifestyle. But anyway, I remember being outside in the backyard, playing in the dirt and uh, playing in the mud and thinking to myself, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I decided it was having this conversation with myself. It was important to me to help people. And I wanted to help the world. And I'm thinking helping the world feels really too big for me. So let me just work on helping one person at a time. And that settled me. I was like, okay, I can do that. 
And that's just kind of set. That was my decision going forward. And then fast forward to like high school and actually more like junior high getting into, I had a great uh, science teacher who was really into teaching science. She was really excited about it. It got me excited about it. I got into learning about the body and this really was leaning more towards science in general. Then the next step was high school, getting ready to prep into doing undergrad and learning, you know, deciding what my, my focus was going to be. And I, at the time, had a stepfather who was a um, physician's assistant. And so I went and interviewed a bunch of his MD friends who all knew us, knew me personally. So they're friends of the family. And I interviewed all of them just a few minutes at a time and told them what my interests were and what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a doctor. And they all said, we love you, so please don't be a doctor. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a surprise, right? You yeah. Don't expect to hear I mean, what that. did they mean by that? What were they getting at? So they knew who I was. They knew I was a loving, caring person. And they kind of talked with me about, well, why do you want to be a doctor? And I wanted to be a doctor to help people and help them feel better. And even back then, this was, again, the 90s, um, early 90s. And they had the same levels of issues that they have now, the limitations of time, living and working and practicing within the insurance world, not being able to really practice and give their patients the um, attention that they fully wanted to. And knowing who I am again, they thought it probably wasn't a good fit for me because I would have a lot of restrictions on being able to practice. It certainly wasn't an issue with like the intelligence part or, or really getting into the education part. It was more about the practicing part. So I was like, okay, great. I'm not going to be a doctor. What am I going to be? I mean, be? what a gift. What a <laughs> gift to hear that early on too and not go down that road and then suddenly be, realize that once you're in that world that you can't practice the way that you want to practice or help people the way that you want to. So yes, that's, yeah, that's great. Definitely was helpful. Like you said, it saved me a lot of drama. Um, from then on, I certainly have had conversations and have other colleagues who are MDs um, and talk with them about, and they have those same limitations. They're really frustrated. And, you know, granted, that's not with every MD. That's not, there's always an exception to that, but that is certainly, as we're finding now, an issue with public health um, in general, uh, or healthcare in general, is that we just don't have a lot of time. We're locked into the restrictions of what we're allowed to practice, what we're allowed to give, because other um, entities are, are running the rules and telling us what they can do. Um, and so they're not really, if you're in it for the love of it and wanting to really help people, then it's not necessarily going to pay off that way. Um, and I'm definitely in healthcare to help people. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a good fit. And I think, like you said, it does save me a lot of drama, stress, money, for sure. Maybe a lot of turnarounds and breakdowns. So yes, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that and I thank them individually. So it was, and it wasn't just, it was one doctor. It was like six doctors um, oh, of yeah. all different levels and they were all different backgrounds and have been practicing for different um, numbers of years. So I had a, a wide range of people telling me it probably isn't a good fit for you. So um, I, I put a pause on being a doctor for a while and went to my second love, which is music and moved down to LA for a bit and worked in the music industry and A&R and licensing. And I had a similar experience, to be honest, of learning that I got into the music industry because I loved it and I wanted to help bring artists out. And the music industry is another level of just this huge entity of wanting to put the, the music out for the money to exploit the artist. And once I learned that, I thought, okay, well, that's not a good fit for me either. By then I was in my early twenties. And so I did a deep dive internally of what's important to me. And 
uh, did some um, research in, online, found naturopathic medicine, did more research to make sure that it was still, still aligned with me as far as wanting to be a doctor. Is it still an official study? Is it still a medical school? Is it still licensed? Is it still have boards? And, you know, those kinds of things. I didn't, um, I personally wasn't interested in doing something that was more just certification. I knew if I was going to do the thing, I want to do the whole hog, you know, yeah. um, and feel really comfortable with what I was doing. I found that naturopathic medicine had that. Um, the schools that I visited all seemed on the up and up and dived in and yeah, didn't turn back. Awesome. And here I am. <laughs> I love it. Do you want to tell us then too about what is naturopathic medicine for any listeners who aren't yet familiar with it? <laughs> I get asked this a lot. This is a very common question. Yeah. Um, once people hear, you know, when you're in a social situation, they ask you, you know, what do you do? I say, I'm a naturopathic doctor. There usually is a, a pause afterwards. Like, I know she just said something that sounded important, but I have no idea what it is. This long word. And so I, I have this conversation very often of naturopathic medicine it has tenets or rules that we follow. And a few of the, I won't go over all of them, but a few of the main ones that really stick with me that I practice pretty much daily is education is really important. Treating the entire person, our outlook is that we're going to treat your entire body as a full organism. It's not just your heart. It's not just your lungs. It's not just this symptom that's happening. Everything is affecting everything else. Our outlook also is that the body wants to, to live to its fullest, wants to be as vital as possible. Your, your human body, your body wants to be alive and as vital as it can be. That's its ultimate goal. And so my job as a doctor is to not get in the way with that, is to, to allow, it's called vitalism, essentially, to allow the system, allow the body to be as vital as possible and to remove the obstacle to cure. So we take time to find out what is the origin of your, your symptoms. What is the cause of your symptoms? If you're coming to me with a number of different ailments, like you can't sleep or, you know, you've got night sweats or you've got GI issues and they seem to be kind of disconnected because you're all one body. Let's take some time to figure out what is the origin? What was that main, like the origin story what was the main thing that caused your system to go out of balance to so then cause, you know, all these signs that are essentially signs to tell you that something's wrong. Um, yeah, so let's just take some, again, time to figure that out. Um, and there was one other than I don't remember, of course. <laughs> oh, education? Education, I, th I think I may have mentioned that, but education is really important. One thing that I love about what I do is that I, my um, appointments are, my intakes, for instance, my initial intakes are two hours long. And that's because I want to take the time to not just learn about your symptoms. I want to learn about all the symptoms for one, but also what are your eating habits like? What's your sleep like? What's your stress like? What's your exercise like to find out who you are so I can treat you as a whole person. And then on the top, on top of that, have time to then tell you and educate you on what's happening with your body. That yes, you may be having this symptom because this is going on because you're not getting the sleep that you need and why it's important to have good sleep. So then you can make decisions outside of that intake while you're living your life on a 24-hour basis because you're with your body in 24-hour basis. You need to know what's happening inside. And if I can help you with that, then that makes my job easier, honestly. Um, so education is really important. I think that really empowers people and allows them to be grounded in, in their own systems and in their own bodies. Uh, one area that I think really hasn't been done so well on the uh, in other areas of healthcare is that 
doctors or practitioners are have this they're kind of on an upper tier, upper level, where they have this level of information and that they don't share with you, that you're coming to them, usually in a state of stress because you're dealing with all these symptoms that you don't know about, and you're coming to them for answers. And they say, okay, I've got all the answers. I'm going to give you just these. And usually those answers are, one of them is there's nothing wrong. It's all in your head. And here's some labs. I'm not going to tell you very much. Whereas I wanted to listen to you, I want to assume that you know your body the best because, again, you're with it 24 7. Yeah. Uh, Groundbreaking you know? assumption. Like, <laughs> right. We know our body is the best, not a doctor, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. I have a certain amount of education, I have a certain amount of information that's very specialized. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you have a lot of education that's very specialized. You are with you all the time. So let's meet in the middle. I'll give you what I know to fill in those blanks and you can take that and live your best life essentially outside of the office. That's really important for me. Um, And I don't know that that's really done so well in other areas of healthcare. So I don't know if that answers your question directly, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like you also do a great job of meeting people where they are too. And not um, like, I feel like a typical, you know, prescription from a doctor might be like, you know, go on this type of diet or like eat 2000 calories a day or whatever it is, like very much like, here's where you need to be without asking, you know, where are you now? And helping people kind of make those small steps to get to wherever is right for them. Or what Mm -hmm. what do you think about that? Am I making assumptions? No, I think that's a huge part of my personal practice. Um, I also did about five or six years in health coaching, corporate health. And it was kind of an offshoot um, that kind of filled in some time while I was building my personal practice. But it also really helped me because I learned about active listening that, again, I don't think that uh, doctors in general really learn about. We, again, have this, these huge egos. We have all this intelligence and we're, we have all this information and we think that we know the best, um, which to a certain extent we know some things. But also with active listening, you learn how to listen to the person and process and respond back. One other thing we learned with uh, health coaching is to take the person where they are. Uh, so when I'm, I'm doing my intakes and my sessions with patients, I first learn about, well, what kind of information do you know? Even though I want you eventually to be here, let's take slow, small steps so you're not stressed out while you're going through the process. Totally. Uh, you're not feeling like you're losing. You're not feeling like you're failing. A lot of psychology goes into it didn't mention earlier, but I also went into, I had a, uh, did my degree in undergrad degree in psychology. Uh, so that also helps my whole process. And so it, again, taking those small steps helps you feel more grounded, helps you feel more p- empowered, helps you feel like you're doing something that you can grab onto it. You understand what's going on. And then we also can, uh, it tends to actually, again, help me in my, my work. Uh, because again, you're, by the time I see you, you've done all the work in between with those small steps so that we can move progressively faster. Uh, as opposed to me not me holding all the cards, me giving you a little bit of information, you going off and being lost in the woods, and then I have to go back and you know teach you again a little bit more information. It just doesn't really work for me <laughs> that that well. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've already touched on some of these topics, but what are some common reasons that patients work with you? And then what does that treatment look like? So maybe take examples of like common reasons they come to you and then how that kind of plays out. How often do they see you? What does some of the homework maybe look like for them? Sure. 
So I tend to see patients that ironically are dealing with things that I'm dealing with in my life. Um, so yeah, I do find that what to be the case. <laughs> I think that yeah, the universe has a very funky sense of humor. That's what I think. <laughs> I don't call it upon myself. I just tend to see patients that I'm like, it aligns with what I'm personally dealing with. So that may, may mirror that I also at the same time don't think of myself as just a doctor. I'm a person, I'm an individual, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, you know, I'm Ayana as well. So I take that into consideration when I also practice that I'm a whole person, a 360 person. So to say that these days patients are coming to me with a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress related symptoms, a lot of adrenal fatigue, a lot of issues with sleeping, then that kind of spills out into like hormonal issues. So then that looks like night sweats or hot flashes or their cycles are starting to get off as far as their timing or they're bleeding heavily, a lot of women's uh, health stuff. But also with men that can also um, look like, well, the stress and anxiety can look like GI symptoms. I have some alopecia happening, some hair loss happening, a lot of eczema. So I see a lot of different pictures uh, but it also, as that because my focus is looking at the core, it tends to stem from just stress, just spilling out and looking like something that's making you want to see a doctor, essentially. Uh, the way that I explain to patients a lot of time is that my perspective is that um, genetically, our family lines tend to have a, an organ system that's just a bit more vulnerable than others. Um, so some patients may have genetic lines that they, they tend to have cardiovascular issues. Their cardiovascular hearts, um, heart and best blood vessels are just a bit more vulnerable or worn out than others. Or another family line may be GI symptoms or maybe skin things. So that doesn't mean that you're wrong, you're broken. It just means that you need to pay more attention to that area and give more support to that area. Um, because again, it, it, that's the part that happens to run down your family line. So to, again, kind of run around and answer your question in a roundabout way. Um, I'll see patients from all backgrounds, um, but usually they come to me after they've seen a number of other doctors who haven't really helped them and who have given them the runaround. And it's usually fatigue is a real big one. They tend to be more general as opposed to, I don't, people don't tend to come to me for like oncology, for instance or autoimmune. Some, some other doctors I know will see just like Lyme patients where I tend to see people who are more lifestyle based. They just have these general things that just kind of really want to hone in on how do I balance this the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To answer other question is how my, my appointments are scheduled. So like I said, I, I see my the initial intakes are a good strong two hours. Usually I say it's 90 minutes, but I tend to leave some time for question answering. Usually patients want to share a little bit more about them. I may ask more of a deeper question just to learn a bit more about who they are. Uh, we talk about, about labs. I just want to make sure I have enough time in that, that appointment so that they, when they leave, they feel comfortable knowing what to do when they get off of the phone. I'm doing all virtual calls these days or the video calls. Then typically I'll see them about a month, about four to six weeks after that. This usually is the follow-up space, spaced out that time frame mainly because I want to give time for people to go back and do that work of changing diet. So we will cover about four main areas, eating habits, which is I find to be the center point of your health, what you're putting in your body is going to make the, the biggest uh, effect on what your cells are taking in and how your body works. So we want to work on the eating habits. And that's not necessarily just what you're eating, but how, 
how much, why, when, those kinds of things. So it's your overall habits around eating and relationship with food sometimes, right? Yeah. Makes a difference. Um, So that's one thing. Inhaling food to actually (laughs) sitting down and enjoying it slowly. Like you can tell the difference in how your body absorbs it and and kind of how you feel afterward too, right? Yeah, exactly. You want to, I do a lot of work on, um, cause people will come to me on what diet is best for me. Like I want to do intermittent fasting. Should I do that? It's all the rage these days or, uh, before it was like the South beach diet or Atkins and those kinds of things. And it, I, my answer is usually it depends. Um, and also why, and let's see what's best for you. Uh, so uh, overall, my goal really with eating habits is intuitional eating. So teaching pe- patients or people to stop before you put this food in your mouth. Why are you putting it in your mouth? Why do you want that food? You know, what do you want? When you're thinking about eating something, think about is what's it going to do to your body essentially. And you don't necessarily have to say, well, this is going to be bad for me. I can't have this, but at least you know what's, even if it's going to be a pint of ice cream, just decide, okay, I'm eating this ice cream because I'm stressed out. I'm going to have it. Yeah. That's fine. But just at least you're in your mind involved. It's not mindless, you know, eating. Um, so I think that makes a big difference. So yes. Um, I want to make sure I answer your question. So that yeah, there's areas you said yeah. <laughs> diet and what people are eating. The second one was the second one tends to be sleep. So, you know, people tend to have a lot of trouble sleeping a lot, especially the last couple of years with everything that's going on these days last, I'll say 18 months or so sleep is just really throwing them off. So if you can try to get ahead of it, as far as getting back in control of your sleep hygiene. So a lot of times people aren't feeling in control of their days. And so when, when their night happens, they try to stay up because then that helps them stay more in control of their lives. So instead of that, what happens is that tends to spiral because you're tired the next day, you're staying up late the next night and you kind of, the next spirals into other symptoms. So we backtrack and say, okay, I get it. You want to be in control because let, everything else doesn't feel like we're in control as far as coronavirus and a lot of political things going on. Um, but instead, what you can do is to get to bed early or, you know, do some things beforehand. Uh, let's help to relax your system. Maybe sometimes taking supplementation beforehand, taking a bath, we just kind of instill some healthy habits. So during those four weeks, we're working on or they're working on those habits and kind of s- testing things out and seeing how those work. Another area is activity. So I don't do a lot of exercise talk. I do more activity. Like I said earlier, a lot of my work is really interwoven of, you've got the science, but that there's a psychology, you've got your coaching as well. And I I want to really instill, if if you're going ahead with your plan and feeling good about it, and you're looking forward to doing this thing, then you're more apt to do it more often. And you're going to feel the results quicker too. Um, So everything I do is kind of a little bit sneaky that way. So that's to say that, yeah, we're going to work on some level of activity. What do you like doing? Do you like the dance party, you know, in the afternoon? Great. That's going to work the same way as if you're, you know, taking a run. If you like the runs, do that. You don't have to go to the gym to do exercise right, you know. Um, Just move your body. That's really what your body needs or is asking for. And the last one is stress management. So it kind of, again, Stress management is kind of woven in there as well, but what can you do intentionally to take care of yourself as opposed to kind of running behind yourself? Because we typically are just doing all the things for all the people and we don't realize that we're stressed out until it's too late. But what can we do on a daily basis to really take that time for yourself? 
Um, so yes, those four weeks are people working on those modules and then we check back and follow up. You mentioned labs too. I think this yeah. is an important thing to highlight because some people may not realize that naturopathic doctors can run labs and, and look at things. So what are some things that you typically look at? How does it differ from maybe the Western medical model and what people are used to there? Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things, thank you, is that um, during those four weeks, it gives us time for you to go out for the labs, to get them done, uh, for them to be run and processed, and for me to take, take a look at them without feeling rushed. Um, so I, my, my short answer is it depends, but I do the core typical serum labs or blood, blood draw labs like your, your vitamin D or your CBC, for instance, to check and see how your immune system is doing, uh, CMP, which helps to get an understanding of how your kidneys, your liver are go doing. Uh, we want to see if, are you anemic? So the basic things, definitely I do a full lipid panel. Are you, how's your cholesterol going? What's your total cholesterol? What's your LD or HDL, the basics, uh, glucose, A1C, all that stuff. So I'll do that. Um, but also at the same time, I may pull one of the labs I like to do, because again, I think my lately I've been doing a lot more of this because a lot of people are coming in with stress related stuff is a, a panel I like to do. It's called adrenal stress index panel. And that will test your adrenal function. Conventional medicine really hasn't gotten around to adrenal health necessarily. I'm finding that I've been practicing for about 10 years and I'm finding that it takes about 10 years for conventional medicine to kind of catch up to things that we've been doing for a long time with naturopathic medicine. For instance, with gut brain health, we've been talking about that for years. Vitamin D was another big one that we've been talking about. I learned in, in school, probiotics, the importance of those, what those even are. Those things were within our lexicon. We've been talking about that with our patients for years. Um, that's kind of catching on now. And adrenal health is also one of those areas that I think is people are, are slowly getting an idea. Now, adrenals are part of our bodies. They're not made up, but just haven't really been paid attention to. Um, so the lab I like to do has that involved and we'll test that. Okay. You know, we've had other naturopathic doctors on the show, but not everyone's like heard every episode. And I think everyone explains it in a different way too. So thank you for sharing that. And I also really love your background of psychology and health coaching and just really how that kind of ties together and really positions you in a really unique way to help your patients and clients. So I want to switch gears a little bit in our conversation and talk about some of the advocacy work that you've done because you are very busy and very involved. <laughs> you get a lot done. So <laughs> I know you've been on the board of naturopathic doctors in Minnesota and you are really involved in some nonprofits. So let's talk about some of the work that you've been doing in that world in that realm. Sure. So let's see, going back again to being um, a hippie, I guess, or being from the Bay Area, my parents have taught me the, the importance of being involved in your community. And that's in my blood, essentially, I don't really feel like I'm doing my best work unless I'm touching the community, letting them know. And I feel really strongly about this type of medicine, obviously, I think that it's important for people to feel like they have some power in their own body, but a lot of people don't know about this kind of medicine. They don't know this even exists, especially people of color. People who look like me really don't know that this medicine is around. And so I think it's important for me to get the word out there. 
I did serve on the, the board of directors for our state association, the MNANP, the Minnesota Naturopathic uh, Physicians Association. I was the, the public outreach director for that reason, for just education, getting the word out, letting them know that we exist, that we're real, what we do, that you can have access to a different kind of medicine. You can, you know, it's within your power to ask for something else. So that's really important to me. I do that all the time. <laughs> that's why I'm on this call today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think it's really important to let people know. I think especially nowadays when we're starting to really look in, inward as far as what's important. We've, it's easy to, when we're given situations, to look at the bad parts, look at the negative parts, but we can look at the situation with COVID and whatnot to look at it as an opportunity. Um, a lot of, we now have time, <laughs> different types of time that we haven't had ever before and haven't given ourselves ever before. And that's forcing us or can, if you decide to make different decisions about what's important to you. One of the things that people are making important to them is healthcare. What's you know, the fact that there's a pandemic pandemic going on, health is important, you know? So even though there's things that are going on to um, help manage the pandemic, it's also going down, level, going down to the level of how can I make myself as healthy as possible? Just health in general is a, a, a thing that's a topic on everyone's, you know, in everyone's mouths these days. Mm -hmm. um, so especially with populations of color, we're finding, for example, again, with the pandemic is that, you know, you've got this wide um, range between those who are getting better faster and those who aren't. Mm -hmm. People of color tend to be in the, the population who aren't getting better faster because they've got these chronic conditions, because they have this disparity with healthcare, because they don't know that they can ask for help because there's not a lot of, lot of representation in the healthcare field in general, you know, not to say, especially with my field, naturopathic medicine, I'm involved in a couple of organizations that are people of color based. There's a small group of us, but I believe I've been saying one, there's, I'm the only one in the state, only naturopathic doctor of color in the state or black naturopathic doctor. I did a little bit of research and I believe that there's one other. Well, that's so to my knowledge, there's, there's one other. <laughs> Not enough, but that's a start, right? Yes, yes, there's two of us doing the whole state of Minnesota. Oh. Right, that's crazy. Yes. So what do you so, see as being yeah. um, the way for that to change? I know you're getting the word out about what you're doing. What do you think it's going to take to change the representation on the holistic side of wellness or in naturopathic medicine, I guess, specifically? Because I don't want a blanket statement, all of holistic wellness, but what do you think it's going to take to change? Let's just start with naturopathic medicine in general and representation in that world. Good question. I think it is changing. I will say that it's changing on a consistent level where I'm having more conversations. Even when I first started out five years ago, 10 years ago, especially there wasn't, there weren't organizations, there weren't nonprofits, there weren't um, online message boards that just were for naturopaths of color. Now we have them, there's a, a number of them that I'm on um, and there's getting, we're getting more grounding. We're involved in social media more than we ever have been before. So it's just about education and getting the message out that we do exist. Mm -hmm. uh, I have, I, after today's call, I actually was going to do, I'm gonna do another talk with a group of four other uh, black female naturopathic doctors on just a general topic. So it's happening. Um, which is, I'm happy to see. So more of that, more conversations. Um, what else? Just more talking. I'm doing, I, I'm not, 
personally, I tend to be more introverted in general. I tend to be kind of like to stay in my bubble, but doing more talks in general is helping. Doing more, I want to tell you about a couple books I'm doing. Um, just put Ooh. a couple books out. Yeah. Yeah. So I just did a cookbook. It was an anthology of all Black naturopathic doctors. I think actually there's a couple of health coaches on there too. And so there's one book and another book will be coming out in the spring that's on Black women's health. That's all a naturopathic doctors that are of color. So again, it's happening, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that. I'll be working on another one for myself that's all on hormones that are just more in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just representation of seeing more of us out there is really helping. Um, yeah. And on the other end, just to add on to that is a lot of people are, because they're being more involved in their personal health, they're asking for that. So I'm getting a lot of referrals these days for patients who are really looking for doctors who were, who look like me, who look like them, honestly, yeah. who, who are seeing them in a different kind of way. So it's, it's happening, I believe. That's good. Because yeah, I mean, you mentioned like the importance of that feeling safe with your practitioner. And part of that is, as a lot of us are learning this year, like just being in a white body myself may not feel safe to someone in a black body that's near me, just based on history and all, like everything that's happened and is literally in our genetics, right? Yeah. Resma Manikim's book, My Grandmother's Hands. And so like safe space, so important. Can we explore why a little bit more too. I think maybe not everyone knows that when we think about like Western medicine, for example, and patients not being listened to all the time, you mentioned this earlier about people, you know, doctors brushing off symptoms like, oh, fatigue or like, it's all in your head, things like that. We know that that happens more often to women. And we know that that also happens more often to people of color. Right. So when you think about like black women in general, they're probably hearing more of that from the Western medical model. And so it just, it's so clear that the way you practice medicine is so needed and so important, um, especially for that population. Definitely big time. A lot of there's cultural differences. Um, And so I think it's important for, for myself like you were saying earlier, that when you see a doctor, a typical doctor, they tell you, you need to make changes or that this level of symptoms is their answer is, well, lose some weight. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that even mean? Lose some weight, you know, especially when in a cultural background, you live in a culture that food is, is different. You've been eating food. You don't even really know how to eat healthily. You know, when your food has been for generations, you've been taught to eat a particular way that's fat laden that's fast food. You live in a food desert because of social economic factors. Um, there isn't a lot of education on this type of eating. Eating healthy is deemed to be other, outside, not part of you. Um, and so it's, it's completely foreign to them. They don't know what to do with that. Or I'll say people who look like me don't know what to do with that. Um, and so it's more about the perspective, not just the importance of, of representation, of having more doctors out there that look like me, they can understand the culture. But that's going to be, even though it's happening, it's in a slow expansion. In the meantime, what we can do as doctors in general or healthcare, healthcare practitioners in general is to pay attention to who's in front of you and think about how you can best affect them mm-hmm. to feel empowered when they leave your office. 
-hmm. outside of just saying you need to lose weight. Well, let's talk about diet. Let's talk about food. What are some changes we can make? Yes, it's going to take some time, but that time is going to be really, really valuable in the long run and in the short run, to be honest. Um, what kind of changes can you make today that may assist you? I talk really quickly sometimes about you know, making sure that, that at least half of your plate is vegetables. Let's start there. Something as simple as that can make changes as opposed to changing your entire life and also feeling bad because you need to lose weight because now you've done this bad thing, you know? So it's about not just having representation, but also communication and education on the practitioner side to pay attention to who you're talking to and how they're going to receive what you're saying, you know? Yeah. Well, what are some of your favorite local resources, practitioners and safe spaces for black and brown people who want to prioritize their well-being and they want to feel in community and feel really supported in the in this empowered vision of well-being? You know, this is a really difficult question because there weren't a lot of answers. I did research to try to answer this. And I don't even really know. That's how, that's how bad it is, how bad the situation is. I mean, there's just B, there may be another doctor out here that looks like me that practices similarly, um, but there, is a, there are a couple. So there, the People's Movement Center is one that's in the area. And that tends to be not just for, um, not just for movement or for exercise, but they also do some healthcare. They have a number of other adjunct practitioners who are working from a holistic point of view. So they've got acupuncturists or chiropractors just, or just body workers. I believe there's a couple of therapists as well. So that's a safe space for people to go to. And there's a woman's design is a doula that's in the area and she's a black woman. And then after of that, I was lost, to be oh. honest. I did not know. <laughs> there aren't a lot of, of us at all. We're few and far between, and we don't really have a connection, as far as I know. One thing I found in, in prepping for the call is I am busy. I'm busy treating the patients since I'm kind of in my lane, and I really haven't been taking the time to look outside of that, to reconnect with other, other practitioners in the area. And I think there's also shows the need for that, that safe space. I don't think that there, as, as I know, I'd love to hear if there is that. Yeah. Um, and if you have that, please reach out for sure to me, let me know. But I don't know that there's a collective necessarily for us to, for other cultures to come together like that, at least for, from African-American space. Mm -hmm. There is the Minnesota Healing Justice Network I'm not sure if you're that's the other one I was thinking of yeah they're um they have a directory and we invest three percent of our profits with them because it feels like an aligned way to kind of work towards the future that we need in the wellness space but they if you go to their website I'll link it in the show notes here um they have a directory so if anyone's looking for practitioners of color they have you know birth workers energy healers so probably more like different types of practitioners than naturopathic medicine, but worth, worth noting for people. And then yes, there's a couple other, that. yeah, there's a couple other lifestyle type of groups. Um, I know you're connected with Render Free. Um, yes. Which is more, it's more of like a space, like a community space, wellness and co-working. And I know they launched during the pandemic, so they're not doing a lot of in-person stuff right now, but I think that's, it's really good to see things like this, you know, popping up and, and growing. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Do you, yeah. Do you want to share anything about render free or what you've done with them? Yeah. I just joined with them. I found them 
through another friend of mine, um, actually the, the doula, the a woman's uh, spaces, she told me about that, woman's place rather, excuse me, she um, told me about the place with Ariel and it's a beautiful space. I think it's kind of going back to representation, it's important for us to see us in, in other spaces doing other things so that you know that it's okay for you, you can get then inspired to continue on, you're not, not so lonely. Um, and so you've got some camaraderie, you've got people who tend to know your lifestyle a little bit more, um, and I love that space. I fell in love immediately. I just, when I went, I just kind of went to hang out with my friend and then went and met Ariel and she did a tour. And then I signed on immediately just because I was just so excited to have that. <clears throat> yeah. So definitely check her out for sure. And then one other one that comes to mind, I should connect you with Sierra from the Zen Bin. I don't know if you've heard of the events. No, they- I don't know that. That's more of like, um, like community wellness and like lifestyle type of stuff, but it seems right up your alley. She's awesome. She also has experience in the music industry and is in the music cool. industry now too, but you should definitely be connected. They started with a lot of community events. So like, you know, R&B music over like for meditation or like wow. yoga classes. They did like community circles and sharing. They have a space over in North Minneapolis too. So yeah, you guys should be connected. They do some, some awesome work. Definitely. Thank, I will check her out. Thank you. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to just like take over that, but I wanted to make sure I made oh. this. <laughs> uh, fine. I feel like I'm talking way too much as it is. That's why. No, not at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's good to see that there's more out there and, and things are growing. And I know a lot of people that aren't black or brown want to support what's happening too. So do you have any like words for people that want to support this work and kind of the future that looks better than the current state? Yes. My advice to that is to keep having conversations, keep having those tough conversations. Um, I've been you know, on the earth for 44, coming to 45 years. And I've been hearing the same kind of conversations happening. But the nice thing is that they're, they're still happening and they're expanding. People are really wanting to have these conversations with each other, not just with me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of going from what does a black person think about this as opposed to what do we think about this? We're noticing within those communities that it's not just a black or brown problem, it's a human problem. And to some extent, it's a white problem. I don't even like talking in those terms, but it is. Some parts are, it doesn't have to do with this at all. Um, And those are difficult conversations to have. I'm enthused to see them happening more often. And I push you out there to have them with your friends, with your family, with yourself. Um, do more internet searching, do more reading that book you mentioned, My Grandmother's Hands is an excellent book to just kind of read more about that, educate yourself on it. Um, it's not just in our heads. We, it's happening more and more as time goes on. Um, it's not something that we can, racial disparities and injustice and um, socioeconomic issues are not something that we can ignore. It's not something that we can brush on the rug or just kind of put our head in and hide from just because it's something that we're uncomfortable about. Um, so learn about it for yourself. Learn about what you're doing, what you're not doing to continue with that model, with that narrative learn how you can make adjustments. You know, there are things called microaggressions that we've, most of us have heard of. And microaggressions aren't necessarily from a place of of hate. There are things that we just don't know what we're doing a lot of times. So paying attention to that. 
and asking more questions amongst yourselves and amongst your, your peers and family members. I think that people, a lot of times, you don't want to mess up. You don't want to say the wrong things. You don't want to offend someone. Um, and so you keep it to yourself. And that's the, we're learning that that is the opposite of what we're doing. It's not, it's not helping anyone at all to hold it in and to just hope it goes away. So say things, say, I've got a question. I, it might come out rude. It might be weird, but I just want, I'm trying to learn. <laughs> Help me out, you know? Um, some people may be offended. If you come to me about that, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm happy to, to express myself and let you know, you know, what, to answer your question, help fill in those, those problems for you. Um, I also want to say that I come from a multicultural background, um, so I'm not just, and many of us do, actually. Um, we're kind of forced in this way, just from history, to be either white or other or black or brown, and that's very little the case. Most of us are all mixed up. Um, and so we're, but we are at the same time, all human. So let's kind of come from that point of view and learn more about just cultures in general, or learn about what brings us together. What are we connected by? We're all connected by love. We're all connected by family. We all need to eat. We all need to go to the bathroom. We all need to sleep. We all laugh, those kinds of things. What are we connected by? And that helps then draw together more comfort levels to have more conversations about what, how are we different? And is different, different isn't wrong or bad. It's just different. Actually different is good. You know, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I mean, yes, I hope that answers the question. Sitting in a room with everyone that says the same thing is kind of boring. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love this rambling conversation that we're on, and how, and all the things <laughs> we've covered. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want people to know about? your practice and what you're involved with. You mentioned some of these two books that are coming out, so we can link those up too, or link your website for people to keep an eye out when, when those come out. But is there anything else you want our listeners to know about? Let's see. Yes. So I just put together, going back to that, that little child, six-year-older that I was, I wanted to help the world. One thing that I started doing is I put together, I, I created a tea line. So a business partner of mine and I have put together a line of teas uh, with the intention that they're all, so I put together the blend that has, for instance, our first blend is, uh, has ingredients that are, have things that help out the adrenals for one, that help out your hormones in a light level, um, that taste good, that are warming and calming, that bring you to the moment so you're you're taking a moment to inhale and exhale and drink it in. So that's my way of treating you even on a, a large scale. Mm. All of the ingredients are wild crafted. They are all are from organic sources. I take a lot of work and intention on when I put together my blends to make sure that they, they fit, you know, and they're good for people. So the, the company is called Central Oak Apothecary. And so uh, you can check out the website if you want to, to add that on. You can certainly take a look at that, order a bag for yourself and, and get better on a small scale. So that's happening as well. Love that. Oh, tea is so wonderful, especially when it's um, something that's actually going to work well for you too. Yeah, exactly. I wanted it to, to uh, kind of hit all of your senses. You know, it looks good. It smells good. It tastes good. It feels good going down. So even if you can't make this huge change of going to see a naturopathic doctor and spending two hours with her, you can at least have a cup of tea, you know, so you can start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Love that. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. What is the best way for people to connect with you or work with you if they're listening and they're like, I want to see Dr. Kumina? What's the first step? So my company is Indigo Wellness. They can go to indigowellness.net. That has a little bit more information about my background, a little bit of education there. And also there's a page, uh, contact us. And you can um, fill in your information and I do 15 minute consultations for, com- for free. And that way we can kind of chat over the phone and you can give me an idea of what your concerns are. I can give you more of an idea of how it would see, uh, how it fit best for you and go from there. So yeah, indigowellness.net is the website. Check me out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast. We would love your help getting the word out to more local people in the Twin Cities. Would you take a moment and give us a review on Apple Podcasts? Take a screenshot of the podcast and share it on social media and let other people know about these stories that we are sharing. Thank you so much for being here.